You're listening to the CB Cast brought to you by Complete Body. To stay up to date, subscribe to our channel on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or you can watch the full episode by subscribing to our YouTube channel, Complete Body Health and Fitness. All right, welcome back to the CB Cast, everyone. Um, this is episode two of our Women's Health series, and today we're going to be talking about food and the effect it can have um, for women during their menstrual cycle. Um, and we're fortunate enough to be joined by one of our members um, and a dietitian at Balanced Nutrition, Ray. Hey, how Thanks. are you? Good. Thanks for coming along. Thanks for having me. How are you going? Good. 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 That's good. A little bit of a funny, guys. This is actually our uh, take two for today. We um, <laughs> The memory card on the camera was full, so... Boys anyway. are running a very professional show. Yeah. yeah, second time round, lucky. All right, so um, just to kick it off, um, what are some key factors, um, I suppose, for women with their food and training um, and their cycle? Um, I guess pretty broad, and I guess we'll get into it as we go along. Um, but I think now more than ever, women are really involved in training, in exercise, um, and prioritizing that for themselves. Um, but we just need to make sure that they are also doing it in a way that they are getting outcomes in feeling good, um, giving themselves enough of what they need to get through that exercise and training um, so they can see the results as to why they're signing up to do it. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I suppose also, um, you know, eating food, and it's probably something we see commonly in the gym, eating enough food for their training um, can be an issue. Is that something you find that you come up against yeah, a bit? Yeah, massive. And it's coming out in a lot of studies now too that women just aren't eating enough to fuel themselves through exercise. We've been hounded from a young age that we shouldn't have as much on our plate or we should be eating small meals. And um, there's this big fear around eating a lot in case we gain weight or anything like yep. that. So it is coming up now um, a lot that women aren't eating enough and then we're seeing consequences um, like injuries and not um, like burning out and things like that happening because they're not eating enough to fuel their body. Yeah, and is it just a bit of, I guess, um, the mental side for women to just... I suppose maybe have the knowledge but then also feel comfortable I guess probably not just for women but in our society there's such a big thing around how you look and weight and training etc um yeah is it the mental side that you think they have trouble yeah. getting their head yeah. around yeah like as I said from a young age we've been told don't put too much on your plate and yeah. then you see all these diets and things out there that massively restrict calories um, so again, you feel like you can't eat because if you do, you'll gain weight. Yeah. Whereas actually in turn, if we ate enough, we'd probably see more results yeah, from cool. that side of things. So it is a big battle with working with women to say, hey, you actually can eat and you can have more on your plate and you don't need to restrict as much as what you've been told you have to. Yeah, awesome, awesome. All right, so um, before we go too far into the cycle, um, there's obviously some differences hormonally between women and men. Can you just outline a few of those um, and I guess maybe why um, or how they affect like women in their cycle? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess biggest difference between men and women is that women have a menstrual cycle, men don't. Um, so up until that like puberty sort of stage, men and women are kind of similar in their makeup um, but then once that menstrual cycle kicks in for women that's when we see that real distinct difference yeah. um, so kind of understanding that women aren't small men 
um, is a really big thing with talking to trainers and talking to dietitians and things out there to say, hey, these guys are quite different in the way that we give them advice. So the way that we regulate temperature, um, the way that we recover from training, um, having soreness, fatigue, those sort of things is really different for women versus men because of the different hormones that we have from that menstrual cycle. Yeah, cool, cool. Um, So I guess onto the cycle, can you just, before we delve right into it, just give that a general um, overview and explanation of the phases. Yeah, yeah. And I guess the menstrual cycle is something that's a bit, people get a bit nervous about talking about and it's not something that's really promoted out there. And even at schools, like I have been working with a lot of women that come in and they don't even know really about their menstrual cycle. So that's really um, interesting as well. But as kind of an overview, you've got what they say is an average is 28 days, but what we actually have found is that your menstrual cycle can go from anything between 21 to 45 days. Yeah. Um, and you've kind of got a few distinct phases that go through that menstrual cycle um, to release the egg and everything else. So you've got your follicular phase, which is your first kind of um, tier of it, which is really estrogen dominant, yeah. which we'll talk about the hormones, I guess. Um, you've then got your um, ovulation where that egg is then um, kind of prepared. And then you've got your luteal phase, which is either um, where we have the um, fertilization sort of happen um, or not um, if yeah. that doesn't happen in the cycle. So they're kind of your main sort of phases, follicular phase, ovulation and luteal phase. Yeah, cool. And um is it pretty common for women to, um, I guess, have a shorter or longer cycle or is it is it just really individual? Yeah, really individual. Um, and again, that's probably something that needs to be advertised to women a little bit more is that everyone's really different. So that standard that you get told at school that it's 28 days, you bleed for seven days is really just not the standard for yeah. every woman. It's going to be really different. So that kind of scale of 21 to 45 days is what we kind of say um, to yeah. women. There's plenty of like apps and period trackers and things out there now that you can yeah. then start to find what your normal cycle is. When you have lots of changes that um, are irregular so you don't have that regular structure, that's when we kind of say, okay, maybe go and chat to your GP or someone to see what we can do to help that um but the actual length of it can be really individual yeah cool and i suppose what are just um, or if there is any like common factors that you know could change to make it irregular yeah yeah change i guess the length of time yeah 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 so um there's a few different like conditions out there where your hormone regulation isn't um probably what we'd say an average so things like um PCOS is a common condition that we see quite a lot, endometriosis, um, even just your like physical makeup can really change or make things irregular. Um, but also missing periods because you haven't got enough calories coming in. Um, so they call that amenorrhea when your period just disappears because or goes away for three months, maybe comes back once, comes back again. Yeah. Um, and that's just because your body doesn't have enough calories coming into it so it takes away your period because that's a bit of energy that it can kind of go and put towards something else so that's a big message especially in like adolescent girls that yeah. we're seeing at the moment yeah. saying eat enough or else your period's going to go away and that's then going to have complications down the track yeah yeah so as simple as just lack of food can have a huge effect massive on it. impact massive impact yeah and would you say then too i suppose um like lack of food if for someone who doesn't train but then if someone 
who is training and I suppose putting that extra stress on their body would increase that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it can definitely go either way. Yeah, cool. All right, well, we might jump into the phases, into the good stuff. Um, Yeah, so if you want to tell us a little bit about the follicular phase. Yep, yep. So the follicular phase is that kind of first half of um, your menstrual cycle. So day one um, is kind of of your menstrual cycle is when that bleeding starts. Um, and then day 14 is kind of your, your ovulation. So that's as yeah. an average. Um, so your follicular phase is that kind of time frame, that day one to 14 sort of part. So that's when you're really estrogen dominant. Yeah. So estrogen's that sex hormone um, for females that's responsible for kind of female characteristics. So things like breasts, pubic hair, those sort of things. Yeah. Um, but then it's also important for things like um, bone strength and managing cholesterol and digestion. So estrogen has a really kind of big dominance within that follicular phase. Yeah. Um, so then we've got to adapt our diet depending on that estrogen sort of load. Yeah, cool. And so I guess um, whilst in that phase, is there spe- uh, specific types of foods, like say protein or carbs, that you should be eating? Yeah, yeah. So because um, estrogen's a bit more dominant within yep. that sort of phase, um, that's kind of the time when women probably go into the gym and they do feel like a bit of a boss, like they feel like they can train and they're getting good results. Um, and that's because the estrogen kind of dominance um, gives us that kind of boost um, within our training. So we can actually um, metabolize carbohydrates a lot better yeah. in that time. So we would often say, okay, in that first 14 days of your cycle or whatever your yeah, regular yeah. bit is there, um, that's when we want the carbs to come in. That's when we're going to see a little bit more progress within your training because you're going to be feeling good. You're processing carbs. Um, carbs are those foods that give us energy to function within a day um so if we can kind of make sure we're having that we're metabolizing it really well we're then going to see a little bit more results with the training as well yeah cool and so i guess your recommendation is in that phase is to sort of like really rip into your training yeah absolutely so um as i said carbs give you fuel um so if we're processing those carbs really well we're going to get good energy so then we're going to make more progress within our um training so that hit style training is what yeah. you really want to tap into within that follicular phase because we are burning that energy we're feeling good we're going to be able to get that result yeah cool and i guess um you said you know walking in the gym feeling like a boss um is that i suppose being a man i wouldn't know but like that feeling of you know just really high energy you feel fit you feel strong yeah absolutely um so women like our hormones over that menstrual cycle really fluctuate day to day so that you are going to have times where you feel awesome and that's when you want to tap into that but then there's also times that you're going to feel not as awesome and you need to also adapt your training then and say okay maybe this is the time that i maybe back off a little bit um and that's a big thing too that we need to kind of promote is that women do change day to day with those hormones it's hormone affected so if they come in and say no i'm just not feeling it today understanding that and allowing them to adapt their training to suit that yeah cool it's interesting as a coach i've um and like you said earlier that you know i guess in society it's something that whether we're not encouraged to not speak about it but like the word cycle or menstrual cycle you know you don't well certainly from a male perspective you don't hear about it a lot um 
But I do, I have personally a couple of clients that, who are obviously females and, you know, have come in before and they've said, oh, you know what, Ryan, today I'm just really not feeling it. You know, it's, I've got my cycle. This is what's happening, blah, blah, blah. And we've changed the the session um, and the outcome for them has been massive. So I think for, if there's any coaches watching or listening, um, that real, that understanding and knowing your client and being able to have that relationship is probably really important. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, that follicular phage is where you do tap into that HIIT training. So take advantage of it while you can. But then in that luteal phase, which we'll talk about as well, that's when you kind of back off and want to go for that lower intensity style of training. And yeah, being flexible in that approach is really important to see those results for women. Yeah, cool. And can it have um, a bit like almost the opposite effect, say... Um, like I know myself, some days you go to training and I just feel flat. I feel like I've got no energy and you probably don't really push yourself as as hard. But if you're, say, you've got um, a woman who is in that phase and um, or in a phase where she shouldn't be being pushed and, you know, the training is too hard, can that have uh, like any sort of effect or outcome on their cycle, yeah? Um, probably not so much on their cycle, but just more mentally, like if you're kind of being put in a position where you're being pushed when you don't feel like being yeah. pushed um, and you're then not getting results, you kind of put that back on yourself a little bit yeah. and say like, well, why can't I do it? And if you don't have the understanding that it's your hormones that are affecting that, yeah. then you're going to kind of punish yourself a little bit and say, oh, well, why aren't I getting the results that I need when it's really your body just isn't quite ready to do that? that yeah, day. yeah, and it's, it's not so much like your want or your effort output. It's there's something else happening. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right. Um, I suppose the ovulation stage. Yeah, so ovulation is then um, kind of one of those times that it's not very long, but we can kind of really tap in to get some good results there. Um, so what we've kind of seen is you have like a little peak of testosterone at that ovulation kind of stage and that's actually been shown that um if you wanted to do like your one rm sort of results that's when you're gonna kind of get those really good um, things show through because of that ovulation um and testosterone peak yeah the other thing with the ovulation phase is that um you actually are a bit more at risk of um injury your tissue becomes a little bit lax in that time because it's preparing that egg yeah um so you've kind of got to go hand in hand that yes it's the time to get that one rm yeah um but also do it in a really safe way with good technique because you your tissue is a bit lax so we don't want to give you an injury yeah yeah so there's been a few studies that um like acl tears and things like that are really um a little bit at a higher um chance of happening at that ovulation time so kind of have to balance it making sure you're doing your technique right but that is also a time to um tap into that um one rm yeah cool um i guess too (coughs) is there like the ovulation phase like how many days does it last i'm I'm just coming purely (laughs) from uh having friends and hearing people like trying to have babies like i remember being a young man and thinking that you know it's probably really easy for someone to get pregnant but it's actually quite hard yeah it is it is and it's really individual um for different people i'm actually not quite sure off the top of my head what that kind of day space is but um kind of understanding again that cycle and when that peak is happening is then 
um, again, individual. If you're tracking that, then then you can kind of tap into that time when you are trying to get pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, and luteal. Um, so luteal's then that second sort of half of um, the cycle. So that's then um, the ovulation's happened, the eggs either kind of been fertilized or not. Um, so that's then when we kind of start having a bit of a progesterone um, sort of dominant time. Um, and that's then just again around the thickening of the lining and either preparing the egg or not. Um, for that fertilization so luteal phase is then when we talk about like diet um, and exercise is more um, you kind of rest sort of time so that's when you do do more your lower intensity exercise so things like yoga um, going for longer sort of runs Um, and that's just because our carb utilization isn't as good within that time Um, so our um, more fat and protein kind of food would come in there yeah. um, because we're using more fat for fuel within that luteal phase more than carbohydrates for yeah, fuel. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and what about, sorry, I didn't, don't think I asked, in the ovulation phase, what sort of, what um, food should we be looking at eating there? Um, I guess that's kind of just an area that um, a bit of like mood swings and things can kind of happen, yeah. a few cravings and things like that. Yeah. So my biggest suggestion around um, that ovulation phase is kind of just listening to your body and seeing what you're feeling yeah. at that sort of stage and catering towards that. Yeah. Um, so, yes, cravings and all that sort of thing come in. Yeah. Listening to your body and saying, if you're really hanging out for the sweets and things like that, have you given yourself enough carbs within that day to give yourself energy? It's often when we're having those um, sweet sort of cravings, it's because our body's reaching out for energy and wanting something to come in. Yeah, um, okay. So, not over-restricting in that stage as yeah well. not filling yourself with the goodies before the <laughs> before the good stuff maybe it's all about balance <laughs> yeah yeah definitely um all right so i guess how can um a woman's cycle sort of change what they want to eat um or like i guess their actual food consumption during that time yeah so i guess through those different phases our body's going to be singing out for different foods um so through that follicular phase that's kind of when we're feeling good so that's when we want to probably put a few more carbs into the diet that luteal phase is when um we're feeling a little bit maybe slower intensity um but we also want to make sure we're staying fuller for longer so we then implement things like our good fats and our proteins and things like that to then stay a little bit um fuller for longer and feeling a bit more maintained I guess overall for women, the biggest thing is making sure that that calorie intake is individual to them um, and that they're getting enough in within their day to complete the tasks that they need to complete. So seeing these diets out there that are saying, all right, you can only eat 800 cows, that doesn't then take into consideration what they're doing within a day, how much activity they're doing. So if they're underfeeding through that menstrual cycle and having those dips and um, peaks of energy yeah. and not having enough to keep them going, then that's then going to cause consequences after that. Yeah. And is it, an, I guess, is it a natural feeling? Would you just feel it within yourself, say, in that follicular? Like, um, would you naturally just feel like, geez, I'm hungry, I want to eat more food? Yeah, yeah. Um, or just like that you're feeling good, like your energy's feeling good. Yeah. So, um, then if we're kind of exercising, exercise then makes us feel good as well. Yeah. Um, often you can see um, after you've had like a good session, 
you feel a little bit more hungry and that's because your body's kind of saying, all right, I need to refuel from that really good session. Yeah. Um, so people will often say to me, why am I so hungry after I exercise? And often it's because you've tapped into those energy stores and you need to refuel them and pick them back up. Yeah. So if you've done a good session um, and then gone home and only had a banana, well, that hasn't really refueled what you've yeah, just okay. done. Yeah, so you yeah. need to, your body's singing out and saying, hey, I need a little bit more energy to get me through the day. Yeah, so I suppose it's a generalization because you are feeling a lot more upbeat, um, I guess your output is going to be higher. Yeah. So your input wants to be higher as well, yeah? Yeah, for the most part, yeah. Yeah, yep. cool. Um, now, probably just a bit of a common thing that, you know, I hear or we hear in the gym is like about carbs or maybe like a myth mm-hmm. around carbs and like carbs make you fat, yep. etc. Probably like a couple of parts to the question. Um Do you find it hard working with female clients to get them to probably reach their calorie goals Mm -hmm. and like maybe carbohydrate goals? Yeah, absolutely. Carbs have been filtered through the media as being the absolute devil to putting on weight. Um, And no food, I guess, can be the consequence of putting on weight. Yeah. Putting on weight is from having maybe too much calorie intake for what you need or not just kind of distributing it evenly across your day. So big thing I will hammer with women is carbs are fuel. They go in and they give us that blood sugar to help us function within a day. We need them. Um, Recommendations is actually that 45 to 60% of your daily calories should be from carbs. Yeah, okay. Um, And I can guarantee there's a lot of women that aren't hitting that. Yeah. Um, So again, if you're not having that fuel, it's kind of like a car. If you're not fueling up your car, your car's not going to go. Same with us. If we're not giving ourselves those carbs to function, we're not going to go. Yeah, okay. Um, So a massive thing with carbs is that we encourage it for women and encourage them to include them in their diet um there's also a real difference between like carb quality you have foods that have your good carbs in them and you have your foods that have maybe not so good carbs yeah so we do want to adapt and manipulate them to give you those good carbs that are going to give you that long lasting energy rather than like a hit of energy we feel sweet for half an hour and then a drop where we maybe don't feel as good afterwards yeah how do you go with i guess resistance from clients yeah with that it's yeah it's massive and it takes time like if something's been hammered into our brains for a long time that carbs are no good carbs are no good it's not just going to be a flick of a switch to say all right well they are good so include them so you've then just got to work with the individual and say okay so what are you worried about how can we work through those barriers to then allow you to um, include them so maybe they're only having 20% of their daily calories as being carbs. And we'll say, okay, well, maybe let's see if we can just get it to 30% and we'll slowly increase it. And often after the first time I've told them that, they'll come back to me and be like, oh God, I feel so good. Like my energy's already yeah. picked up. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, it's because you're actually giving your body what it's asking for. Yeah, yeah. I suppose, um, how, how do you sp- split the fats and protein around that? Say if it's like, if it's 45 to 60 yeah. Of carbs. Yeah. Um, so then um, your other macronutrients is then fats and then we've got proteins. Um, so fats are actually meant to be 20 to 35% of your daily calorie yeah. intake as well, um, which is probably another one that you see a little bit of resistance around. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask you that. It's definitely, I suppose, um, and it's just coming to me now, like you hear like, you know, I'm trying to lose weight. I don't eat carbs. I don't eat fats. I'm just thinking now, 
you know, is prote- protein the only thing people <laughs> eat? I'm not sure. Yeah. But yeah, is it like that's something you come up against as well? Yeah, yeah, yep. So um, fat's another one. If you eat fats, you're going to get fat is a big thing that social media will put out there. Um, and again, there's a real difference between your quality, like healthy sort of fats and then your fats that maybe aren't as beneficial to our health. Yeah. Um, can you, just for the listeners, can you give us an example of, you know, a couple of things there, what you'd say is healthy and what isn't? Yeah. So like you've got your good fats. Um, so good fats actually help like lower cholesterol, help with um, regulating our body temperature, um, helping our skin and nails stay strong there's so many benefits to it so um then you have your not so nice fats which are like your saturated and your trans fats yeah um so your good fats examples of them would be things like avocado nuts um you like oily fishes that have omega-3s um yeah. which are really good for like anti-inflammatory properties um and a whole other range of things um, and then you have your not-so-nice fats, um, those saturated and trans fats, um, which can come from like some of your animal products, so like your fats on meats. Um, it can come from coconut products is a yeah. big one that I see with um, women having a lot of coconut products, which yeah, is really okay. high in saturated yeah. fat. Um, and some of your like high-fat sort of dairy options yeah. as well. Again, never saying that you can never have those foods again. It's just looking at how much they're coming into your diet yeah. and how you can then manipulate it again Yeah, your results. Yeah, for sure. I guess, um, I suppose too, like fats, how can they affect like hormone levels as well? Yeah, so it has a massive um, play on like your estrogen um, levels. So within that luteal phase, um, when your estrogens dip down a little bit, our fat um, oxidation or like how we metabolize fat um, is a heap better in that sort of phase. So that's when we would want to include some of those good fats because yeah. our body's metabolizing them yeah. um, really well while that estrogen's down a little bit. Um, yeah, cool. So in that luteal phase is when we would then tap into that um, kind of good fats included. Yeah, yeah. And what about, sorry, I didn't ask before, but what about carbs, carbs. and the hormone side? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so again, when that estrogen's kind of peaked, that's when we're kind of seeing carbs processed yeah. a lot better or yeah. metabolized a lot better in our yeah. body. Um, so that's then when we would kind of more include those um because they're processing really well and giving us that energy a little bit better than maybe when estrogens dip down a little bit um that kind of they store really well in that time so we can load them up um but actually using them quickly doesn't happen as much in that stage yeah okay cool okay and what about protein yeah so protein is one of those ones that you see in social media that's like protein 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 make sure that you've got protein happening all the time Um, but understanding why we use protein is massive. Um, So for women especially um, or everyone, protein is what helps with that muscle growth and repair. So super important for recovery. Um, And that's probably the biggest thing that I will say to women as well if they're saying that they feel sore or fatigued or anything like that. Have you got enough protein in your day and is it evenly distributed across the day? So we are often see that we'll put all our protein into our like dinner meal when you have your big steak and veg or yep. something like that. Yep. But it's not kind of evenly spread across the day. So that's probably a big thing that we'll talk to women about is making sure that that's evenly put across. Yeah, cool. And it's probably, we see all the time, like people struggle to hit protein targets. Have you got any tips, I suppose, for people to get it in? Like we always say, have a protein shake, but... yeah. Um, so 
recommendations is that you kind of aim for about 20 to 30 grams post um, your exercise as yep. a kind of ballpark as to what you want to hit for protein. Yep. Um, so protein shakes are good. They're convenient in that you can get that often there in that 20 to 30 gram kind of window. Yeah. Um, making sure it's good quality protein as well. So um, looking at more like your whey-based options are often more absorbed or um, kind of work a little bit better yeah. um, than some of your plant-based alternatives. Not saying they don't work either, um, but your whey kind of based are your complete proteins. So yeah. They're going to give you all the amino acids and things that you need. Yeah. Um, so when you do use protein powders, just making sure that it is a complete source or that it's kind of giving you what you want rather than just kind of consuming calories for no reason. Yeah. Um, but other sort of protein foods are things like eggs are an awesome like breakfast option that you could use. Baked yeah. beans. Um, obviously, your meats are going to give you a protein source. Nuts. Um, and then even like your beans, legumes, tofu, those sort of options as well. So there are plenty of protein food sources out there yeah. that if you can get them, they're going to be really um, readily, readily absorbed, yeah. um, which is really good. Um, but also if you're on the fly and you know you're not going to get that 20 to 30 gram um, intake in post-exercise, yep. protein shake definitely is a good convenient way to get that content in. Yeah, cool. So just being aware, I guess, trying to sneak some into each meal. Yeah, yeah, yep. yep. So meals, snacks, like evenly putting it across the day. So say after exercise, you had some eggs on toast and then later on you might have like a high protein sort of yogurt as a bit of a snack that's going to give you some protein there. Then lunchtime, maybe including like a chicken or some sort of protein on sandwich. Um, yep. And then afternoon, having a handful of nuts, which are then also your good fats, but a protein. So kind of understanding um, which different foods have which different macronutrients in them, then you can put them all through your day and make sure you are fueling yourself enough to give you what you need. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Well, yeah. thanks so much. Very uh, in interesting and um, plenty of information. So yeah. um, I suppose for any of the ladies out there in the gym, if you've got any questions, hit Ray up if you see her or um, can people reach out to you on Instagram? Yeah, so I have um, my own personal Instagram called Reset Dietetics um, and then also Balanced Nutrition has our Instagram as well. So either way, you can find us on there. Um, but yeah, very, very important to kind of keep spreading the message to women to fuel your body, give yourself what you need to kind of get yourself through and make sure you are getting those results Um for your training and all that hard work that you are putting in. Yeah, 100%. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. Um, I'm sure everyone has taken a lot away from today's conversation. Um, and for everyone out there, thanks for listening. Um, we hope that you enjoyed it and you got a lot out of it. And Ree, thank thanks you. Thanks for having me. We'll see you on here again soon sometime. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you. Thanks, guys.